Well, should we get started? We can continue the Can I be silly for a second? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, can we pour it, right? <laughs> oh, yay. Okay. Yeah. So, Yuki, you wanted to make Ruby do the introduction to this well, podcast. <laughs> or we should take advantage of the fact that we have an, a special guest. So welcome to Poetry, the podcast where we try to understand poetry. I can never remember yeah, if it's talk understand. or understand, understand poetry. Talk poetry, the podcast <laughs> where we talk poetry. That's not it. Where yeah. we try to talk about poetry or try to understand about poetry. We are could, talking about we are, we are we are we are we, doing we are successful that at, at the right. that that is the successful part. Yeah. What the, the question mark is whether or not we understand <laughs> right, that. Okay. exactly. Yeah. Welcome to Poetry, the podcast where we try to understand poetry. I'm Yuki. She's coy wait, no. She's <laughs> <laughs> the first time I've done that actually. I really thought it was on purpose though. Yeah. Surprised that hasn't happened every single episode. Oh, I'm all flustered because we have a guest. I'm Koya. She's Yuki, and she's Ruby. Hi, Ruby. Hi. Special guest. Our first guest. Our our first guest. Maybe our only guest. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. <laughs> um, how are you doing, Ruby? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing my best. Actually, I'm okay. I'm doing good. How are you, Yuki? I'm good. I'm so excited you're here. I am really too. Yeah. At first I was very nervous, but now I'm just excited. I'm also very nervous. I feel very vulnerable and bare. Oh, because you wait. <laughs> Yuki, you asked how Ruby and I met. Yes. Um, and I forgot for a second. But we taught Hindi together in wow. several years ago. Yeah. We were we were TAs for a class for a summer language an intensive language program. Actually, no, that isn't how we met. We met in India the summer before. That was the first time I met you. So I, that's funny because I don't remember that, but I always thought it was that, you know, how when people tell you the story of like, oh, this happened and then like becomes a memory. I guess mm. it actually did happen and we did meet there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was it was super quick. Should we get into the poem, you think? I, I feel like we didn't do a proper Ruby introduction. Oh, yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we just we we do. We meander a lot. Um, so I was wondering, Ruby, do you want to. Um, introduce yourself a little bit and maybe tell maybe just what's your relationship to poetry what's my relationship to poetry i like it it's <laughs> <laughs> good it's a good place to start <laughs> so i was an english major i have a master's in complete so i do like literature a lot and i think i'm more of a now i'm more a non-fiction person that's what i read like i'm one more gravitate too but uh, poetry was something that I that was really opened up for me during my undergraduate because I wanted to be a writer and my professor would tell you like this is the way of like learning how to use words is to like taking poetry mm -hmm. classes understanding poetry because you really pay attention to like the basic unit which is like the word and I was very lucky to have really good faculty that like that made it not scary and I think that's one of the things I do as a teacher is that for me one of the biggest things they ever told me was like just come to office hours and now I like I preach that you have to come to office hours because it was during office hours that I remember telling one of my 
faculty professors. It's like everybody else in the class seems to like get it. It's like they all get it. And she basically told me in better words, she's like, no, they don't. I just pretend like <laughs> And I was like, great, this is fantastic. And she sent me a bunch of poems and and I wrote a lot of really bad poetry. And so her name is Sheila Black. She's a poet in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And she signed this book for me. And she said to Ruby, who writes like a philosopher poet in the best way. And I really like that. I oh. feel like I, I, I do feel like this is me. Um, it was so very nice of her to say a nice thing about me. Did you um, expect her to say a bad thing? <laughs> I expected her to be like, Sheila, you know? <laughs> I like it. So I, I I think I have her to thank for like that kind of like opening my eyes to like everybody's taking it in school, you know, and also be like poetry sh- should not be intimidating. Um, and you can have like a relationship with, with it that is like, you know, it's not it's not too bad. That's awesome. Uh, so how Ruby ended up on the podcast is she and I uh, and her fiance met up. Uh, when she was in town and I was telling about the podcast and it was so nice because Ruby you got so excited I think you were probably you were probably one of the first people that I was talking to about it and you know and it like opened up this like completely different part of you that I didn't know like I I don't think I knew that you were an English major until we had that conversation yeah like I think we had the same I didn't know this about you Koya either that you had like this interest in poetry and it's been really nice to re- be reconnected with it because of the podcast. Because also what happens when you're an English major is that you stop reading. Like you have to do it for class and you stop reading uh, for fun. Uh, yeah. So this has been again really nice. And poetry is such a, it's like such a small barrier, right? Like you, you can take one poem and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a nice way of always keeping back at it. So I would like, thank you guys for reconnecting me with poetry. Oh, Yay. Um, What I was going to say was, Ruby, I'm so glad that we finally have someone on the podcast that is qualified to talk about poetry. (laughs) (laughs) English major, guys. (laughs) (laughs) But you guys do it so well, though. You really do. But it's so nice to see that you're like, this this kind of community is is building up. Um, And what the funny thing is, is that there's many times not that I disagree with the readings, but the very first thing that you guys talk about is never the very first thing that I thought when hearing the poem or reading the poem um so many times I hear myself or I see myself like pausing and like talking at that thing and and then it's like okay now you can go (laughs) (laughs) I love that well those are a lot of really nice things that you said so nice thank you (laughs) okay so Ruby do you want to tell us why you chose this poem to talk about? Um, yeah. So when I was talking to you um, when we first met and we were talking about the podcast um, and listening to the podcast, it has been confirmed. There's a lot of um, kind of downers. Uh, yeah. But, but it's contention. <laughs> but, but also there's a lot of the, the same question of how do you deal with suffering? And my, my other suggestion was Misa de Biosars by W.H. Choran which is a great poem, but it's still about like the ideas of, of suffering um, and what the place it has in the human condition, right? In the human spirit. Uh, but it's also a really great poem to talk about intertextuality, different kinds of mediums, like how poetry intersects with paintings and other kinds of arts. Uh, so that's a conversation that can happen. 
But in other thinking of like poems that have been very important to me, um, Sarah Kay is the type has that came into my life at a very serendipitous moment. Like it's a poem that I think came into my life at the right time. You know how they say that like a wizard is never early, it's always like at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's true for like certain songs, you know how also you have, oh, that if you're in love or you're in a heartbreak, heartbreak songs or love songs are like oh they're sticking to me that's yeah. about me yeah um Sarah Kay's poem came is like that's about me like that is what I needed to hear at the time because I was going through not necessarily like a breakup but I was detaching from this person who was never with me uh, but I was very much in love with and it like it really like clarified the relationship I was having and and I felt like the word this poem spoke to me. It's like this is what's happening to me. Like not to no. It's like no. It's it's not that oh I, I identify with the poem. It's like no. Like this is it, it happening now and it happened to you. And it's really a testament of what poetry can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was why it's so it's important to me. Yeah, that that is the 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 power of it of feeling like someone is looking you right in the eyes holding your face in their hands and being like this is what you need to hear right now yeah and it is it can be so um clarifying and cleansing and yeah it can speak right to you it's it's wild and it was such a coincidence like i think i heard it not like it wasn't read it i actually found it through youtube i think was one of the recommended things and i think it was this random act of it that really also made it like very special Mm. was that i wasn't looking for it and, and like in looking at other Poem. I think I heard I heard her TED talk that and then she reads another poem, which is um, if I had a daughter. If I had a daughter, yes. Yeah. Um, and then I looked at the next one, and it was just like there. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't have a lot of relationship with spoken word poetry, but it it feels like it is speaking to you. Spoken word poetry is like so much about engaging with your audience. And then the question I think is just really good for like to get into a conversation. Do you really feel like the difference between spoken word poetry and written poetry Mm, I do I think that like it's so different from like the way that I might read the poem whereas like if it's spoke if it's like spoken word is meant to be spoken word then I feel like you should go and like watch it perform be performed so that's I think that's the only difference but like don't you think that all poetry kind of wants I mean I feel like like it works both ways, right? Yeah. It like comes alive again when it's spoken out loud or read out loud. Yeah. Um, whereas there's definitely like there is a kind of, there is a difference to it, right? But it's, it's a little bit, I think a poetry is a little like place. That place were never really meant to be just on the page. Mm-hmm. They were always meant to be performed. And I think, I, I think that's also what's really cool about poems is that they, they do have this double life that they can live on the page, especially when you can see it, right? There are certain poems uh, and even this one that has like a lot of blank space and you get a lot from the use of the blank space. And it's different when it's read. But that's why I feel like always having this as a podcast medium talking about poetry is like, yeah, all these poems were supposed to be read out loud, right? And it's always very fun to see how the people read them. And like even when you guys were talking about them, that they would be, your readings would have been different. Yeah. The double life was such a good way of putting that. Like when I'm reading poetry to myself, I mean, I guess like you do that when you're reading any anything, you're always hearing it in your head. Um, so it like it kind of lives that out as you're reading it, too. And so that's why. Yeah, that is why it's nice to always hear the reading. Like when Yuki does the reading, it's always like, oh, a different <laughs> choice than I would have made. And it was like we've um, talked about we've discussed poems that we have 
listened to the author read them before. Mm. I also felt like it was a little bit different, but I couldn't really put my finger on why because it's still you know, a recitation. I think maybe it's because Sarah Kay is is a spoken word poet. Like that's the the kind Mm -hmm. of background that she comes from. So um, the way she read it was different. I don't know. It seemed um, performative in a different way. I feel like she does like hand gestures and stuff too. Like, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to her read it and she's just so good. I don't know if I'll be able to, it's, what is it called? It's like a, uh, like a cover. I'm doing like a cover of her. I think you're always doing a cover when you're reading, though. Yeah, except it doesn't feel as weird when it's like a written poem, whereas if it's a spoken word poem, it feels like, mm-hmm. you know, different. Sarah Kay is an American poet and educator. She's best known for her spoken word poetry, but she's also published four books of poetry, writes musicals, and creates short films. Kay describes spoken word poetry as... The Art of Performance Poetry. I tell people it involves creating poetry that doesn't just want to sit on paper, that something about it demands to be heard out loud or witnessed in person. Kay was born in 1988 in New York City. She attended the UN International School where she was involved in theater and entered her first poetry slam at the age of 14. This first interaction with spoken word poetry took place at the Bowery Poetry Club, which she frequented regularly thereafter. She says, the Bowery Poetry Club became my classroom and my home, and the poets who performed encouraged me to share my stories as well, never mind the fact that I was 14. I think it's worth noting because my love of poetry did not happen in a classroom. It happened in a community of artists. In high school, she founded Project Voice as a way to get her friends to participate in spoken word poetry alongside her. Kay attended Brown University, where she initially majored in chemistry before switching to modern culture and media. Fun fact, her maternal grandmother was one of the first, if not the first, Japanese-American women to attend the Women's College of Brown University. Attending university was actually her grandmother's way out of the internment camps in Arizona. At Brown, Sarah Kay was involved in poetry clubs, theater, and acapella, and with her classmate, Phil Kay, who also happens to be Japanese-American, reinvented Project Voice using spoken word poetry as a way to entertain, educate, and inspire students around the world. Kay holds a master's degree in the art of teaching from Brown University. She was the youngest honored speaker of the Willis M. Tate Distinguished Lecture Series at Southern Methodist University, the recipient of an honorary doctorate of humane letters from Grinnell College, a featured poet on the HBO Deaf Poetry Jam, And in 2006, she was the youngest poet competing at the National Poetry Slam in Austin, Texas. The Type by Sarah Kay. If you grow up the type of women men want to look at, you can let them look at you. Do not mistake eyes for hands or windows or mirrors. Let them see what a woman looks like. They may not have ever seen one before. If you grow up the type of woman men want to touch, you can let them touch you. Sometimes it is not you they are reaching for. Sometimes it's a bottle, a door, a sandwich, a Pulitzer, another woman. But their hands found you first. Do not mistake yourself for a guardian, or a muse, or a promise, or a victim or a snack. You are a woman, 
skin and bones, veins and nerves, hair and sweat. You are not made of metaphors, not apologies, not excuses. If you grow up the type of women men want to hold, you can let them hold you. All day, they practice keeping their bodies upright. Even after all this evolving, it still feels unnatural, still pulls tight the muscles, strains the arms and spine. Only some men want to learn what it feels like to wrap themselves into a question mark around you, admit they do not have the answers they thought they would have by now. Some men will want to hold you like the answer. You are not the answer. You are not the problem. You are not the poem or the punchline or the riddle or the joke. Woman, if you grow up the type men want to love, you can let them love you. Being loved is not the same thing as loving. When you fall in love, it is discovering the ocean after years of puddle jumping. It is realizing you have hands. It is reaching for the tightrope when the crowds have all gone home. Do not spend time wondering if you are the type of woman men will hurt. If he leaves you with a car alarm heart, you may learn to sing along. It is hard to stop loving the ocean, even after it has left you gasping, salty. Forgive yourself for the decisions you have made, the ones you still call mistakes when you tuck them in at night. And know this, know you are the type of woman who is looking for a place to call yours. Let the statues crumble. You have always been the place. You are a woman who can build it yourself. You were born to build. Was but it like, hard to read this one since you heard her read it first? I think I tried to read it the way I remember her reading it, which makes it like so much more depressing because she's like she does it so well. Like, yeah. I don't know how people like, you know, like actors and stuff like I don't remember. I don't realize how they like just memorize all of this stuff, you know, and just can say it so beautifully because there's just so much spit in my mouth. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I think also to me, it's very hard to not try to read it like she would be reading it. No. You know, I think like in yeah. my mind, it's always like the back of my head. Yeah. Okay, can I give it a try and then my character can also talk about it? Yeah. yeah. If you grow up the type of woman men want to hold, you can let them hold you. All day they practice keeping their bodies upright. Even after all this evolving, it still feels so natural. It still pulls tight the muscles, strains the arms and the spine. Only some men want to learn what it feels like to wrap themselves into a question mark around you. Admit they do not have the answers they thought they would have by now. Some men will want to hold you like the answer. You're not the answer. You're not the problem. You're not the poem or the punchline or the riddle or the joke woman. If you grow up the type of men, you're the type men want to love, you can let them love you. I think I just remember a lot how she reads it. Yeah. I like the way you said the answer. I yeah. think I was just kind of accompanying her. Because what I really like about the way she reads it is that she plays a lot with like the fast and the slow. Mm-hmm. And what I like in like Yuki's reading, especially, the, the pauses are there. Mm. Um, and, 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 you, and you linger there. 
it's funny when Yuki, when you were reading into a question mark around you, I admit they do not have the answer they thought they would have by now. When you were reading it, I was like, yeah, the have and would have is like, I wouldn't even, even have written that, you know? They thought they would by now. Ah, like you might have just skipped over the word and meant they do not have the answers they thought they would by now. Yeah, they would by now, right? Like it's a little ah. bit more colloquial compared yeah. to they yeah, would yeah. have by now, which yeah. is a little bit more formal, right? Which is kind of what they're saying. It's like the, the formality of, of a timeline, you do this, you do that, you do that, mm-hmm. is replicated with the formality of the language of would have instead of yeah. would buy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the rhythm in this poem. It's just so fun to read. I, I feel like that is a lot of the difference to me is that like you recite a poem and there's even in the way that you recite a poem, there's always almost like this understanding that you read poems like very solemnly, right? Yes. And and spoken word is really comparing to like it's very alive and it's a lot of gestures and yeah, like I, I, to me, that's like that line of like, it's hard to stop loving the ocean, which is like my favorite line. It's, it's mm. just like everything is how she actually says it and how she embodies that moment, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's something about spoken word poetry that more often has that effect of like, oh, this is a message directed at a person, you know, rather than like regular written poetry, maybe it's just like musings on life. I, I ask him, do you think I would have felt different if I had like found it on page, on the page rather? Yeah, than... yeah, yeah. Do you think so? I think so. I really do. Yeah. Um, I also the one of the big regrets that I have is that I found the book of the poem, and it was like a very nice uh, hardcover, and that's why I didn't buy it because I don't like hardcovers. Mm. Ridiculous thing to say, but uh... <laughs> wait, yeah, what? Are you... <laughs> <They're> expensive. <laughs> Is it because they're harder to keep open? Because I don't like that about hardcovers. Yeah, it's feeling like you can really read them. And I moved so much that I decided that I have to be very like careful what books I keep. Mm. Um, and and I saw it at a book fair in Austin. And because I found it just like that, if I was going to be able to find it at any time, I really should have bought it because I really do like it a lot. And it would be nice to like just, you know, just be surprised by it at some point. Yeah. Um, but when I opened the book, it was like spaced out a lot. And I don't think it would have kept flipping the pages as mm. much if I didn't know how the cadence was supposed to sound like. And because, yeah, she is a great uh, spoken word poet. Yeah. And, and like it just really invites you in. And some of the of the body language that she also uses. Yeah. And, and I think that's what Koya is saying, right, is that this whole idea that like a message is being given to you. And you cannot like look away. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't my first spoken word poem. Uh, to me, what I really I, I heard it once in a in a conference that was really good. But there's this other poet whose name I'm forgetting, and he has a poem about being a teacher, and it's really nice because <clears throat> it uses I think I think it's called typography or whatever. Like your words are being animated. So it's a poem that is like him reciting it, but also as he's saying it, like the words are like moving and Mm -hmm. stuff. So it Mm -hmm. looks really cool. Um, And also the inflection of it is really nice. It makes it comic as well. Mm -hmm. So like I already had this connection to spoken word poetry. I was like, oh, I really liked it. I really like how it makes it less serious, uh, less intimidating. And like it has a different, like it inhabits the world differently, right? It takes a different kind of space. Mm -hmm. 
That's um, I, I did see Sarah Kate's. I saw the book that you're talking about um, online. Um, and I, like I saw like some some photographs of the pages and stuff because I've never seen a book that was just one poem. Um, so it was. Oh. Um, yeah. So it's, it's all one poem. And so you have to it's like, you know, maybe like 20 pages or something of just like, you know, um, stanza by stanza, which, you know, and I was sort of like, I don't know if I would like that i don't I'm, I'm not sure i would buy a whole book that is one poem and then there, there's like some illustrations and stuff it does have a different impact even reading it all on one page versus reading it split up onto 20 pages versus hearing it spoken you interact with it so differently depending yeah. on that and remind me i don't know if there was like pictures of birds or like i can remember what the images were i think it's i think it's the same feeling like you read a book and then you watch a movie right you have such a clear idea in your mind of mm -hmm. what that looked like and then see it on the page it's like ah, why are you putting it here like that <laughs> yeah 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 like it breaks the way that you were engaging with the poem and i think it's probably one of the reasons why i didn't buy it was like it didn't made physical the way that i hadn't like yeah, what I, yeah I imagined. What you imagined yeah there's just like so much energy and so much mm -hmm. of this poem yeah i i particularly like the way she uses repetition in this poem, I mean, in, in, a, in a few different ways. I mean, I think even in that kind of like micro way that you just pointed out, Ruby, with the, the different halves, um, but just, you know, repeating the, you know, you can let them, et cetera, et cetera. I liked, what was the thing that you read? You are not the poem or the punchline or the riddle or the joke. I like how that repeats this idea of, which was, I think what is actually my favorite line, um, you are not made of metaphors. Like that, it's, it's a repetition in, in concept rather than in form um, and just kind of it elaborates on that. Yeah, I, I love that line that you are not made of metaphors. I think that's something mm -hmm. that like it's a trap that women fall or like people fall into a lot. You know, it's like, oh, I'm his savior or I'm, you know, the band-aid or, you know, like it's really easy for us to think about the role that we play in other people's lives rather than like, no. I'm literally just a person, you know, like I don't have to mm -hmm. be this thing for other people. Like I can just be myself and exist. So I think that's like a really important reminder um, for people who get caught in that trap. Yeah. Yeah. Which is that I think once it go, do not mistake yourself for a guardian or a muse or mm -hmm. a promise or a victim or a snack. You are a woman, skin and bones, right? Like it's the, the idea of the metaphor of like all the things that you're supposed to be, like you're saying, you're key compared to like yeah you're a person yeah <laughs> but also that like you means that you also have your own needs right yeah. you're not there for somebody else but you're there for yourself yeah yeah and like coming back to the the line about like you know men don't want to wrap themselves into a question mark I think especially for women there's this I don't know if it's like a socialized thing but like you know we fit ourselves around what other people need rather than expecting that anyone would fit themselves around what we need. I, I, I mean, I'm glad you brought up the line because so I, I have I have visual aids. Uh, <laughs> Show us. This is one of my favorite lines of the poem too, because it's so, it's so, it's so visual. <laughs> my gosh, yes. This picture, which is the kiss, is a painting by Gustav Klimt. It's a painting of like a man literally putting himself around a woman as he kisses her. And to me, this is what the line is, right? Uh, if you grab the type of woman men want to hold, you can let them hold you. All day they practice keeping their bodies upright. Even after all this evolving, it still feels unnatural. 
blah, blah, blah. Only some men want to learn what it feels like to wrap themselves into a question mark around you. It's, it's to me what that line is about, right? Especially because men tend to be, or like, you know, societally, men are seen as taller than women. And when they hug you, they literally do this whole thing of putting themselves as a questioner around you, mm. which is, I, I, I'm especially come short. So it's like, oh, again, this is me, right? It's talking yeah. about my experience, right? Um, and and it's, it's, it's brilliant, right? It's about this, is the vulnerability that men, when they love you, to actually not do this upright thing of like how they present themselves as men mm. um, and having the answers and rather they're like posing them, like literally physically embodying the vulnerability, they're not having the answers. They're being in a question because they want to be with you. Yeah. I, I thought it was, when I read the line, it, it made me think of this painting and it was, it's brilliant. And then you also see it, like, not only when they're standing up, right, but also when you're cuddling and, like, you're a spoon or, like, what kind of spoon they are. They're oh. spoon. It's it's all of that. I I love this, I, like, visual, too, because, like, you know, I feel like there are some tall men who would be, like, they would, like, make you reach for them and, like, stand on your tippy toes to kiss them. But no, it's, like, like that is so tender, you know, to, like, reach down and be, like, going to them rather than, like, making you go the extra step mm. so that's so interesting so the line only some men want to learn what it feels like to wrap themselves into a question mark around you admit they do not have the answers they thought they would have by now how are you all reading that line are you are you reading that as as like a counter to the men like other men in the rest of the poem is that how you're reading that i think so <sighs> yes I think, so my point number one that I think is that this poem to me is brilliant and fantastic because even though it talks a lot about the type of woman, it's a poem actually about masculinity. Mm -hmm. It has, it's much more about like what, what, what it means to be a man, right? Mm -hmm. And how men are also like um, trained to, to, to feel an idea of masculinity. And for a lot part of the poem, it has been almost this uh, men against women. Like mm -hmm. they're going to ask you to do this. They're going to see you as a snack. They're going to do this to you. And mm -hmm. in very vulnerable, which I think is what I really like about this poem, is that you do not need to have this fight of, mm -hmm. of men against women, right? You can mm -hmm. be that type of woman, right? Like kind of subverting that idea, mm -hmm. but being very clever about like don't like don't be stupid, right? And in this in this section where it actually starts really breaking down that men are also trapped in this idea of masculinity of like mm -hmm. gender roles basically right mm -hmm. if men have been seen as this other that i want to look at you as a sandwich or i want to like want you to be amused this is the moment in the point where it flips and it's like they want the same thing that you do they want to reach you they want to reach the in this heterosexual understanding of the world um they want to reach out to you and the more that you say i am that type i'm not that type then there's not going to be any moment. There's not going to be any allowance for tenderness. That's interesting because I read that as a continuation of that, of, of a continuation of the idea of not necessarily that it was about like pitting men against women, but just a continuation that like men, a lot of that the men of this poem don't, they just don't really know what they're doing. Women don't know particularly what they're doing either. I mean, I see that as kind of a continuation of reaching for uh, you know, a bottle or a door or a sandwich, 
you know, like you can reach for a bottle or door a sandwich, or you can wrap yourself like a question mark around. So I, I see that as being part of the same continuum of interaction. And it's so funny, the the Klimt uh, painting is so tender. And I realized what I was thinking of was this. Um, I just sent it in the chat. Um, uh, and yeah. for the people at home, this is a picture of Yoko Ono and John Lennon, that iconic photo of him wrapped around her when he's totally naked and she's completely clothed. And, um, you know, I mean, it's, and it is a very, it's a very vulnerable photo and it's a very vulnerable moment. And it, it definitely displays this act of tenderness. But I think that the part that makes me think this is a continuation of this mistaking women for, you know, other things, anything besides being a human being is, I guess, just the admitting they do not have the answer seems to go with some men will want to hold you like the answer. And making you into the answer is also a part of that, not allowing you to be a full three-dimensional person. Um, and so I, I didn't I didn't read that as a positive at all. And the, the thing about the Yoko Ono and John Lennon photo, like that sort of like tenderness is also, there's something about it that's like, there's like a weird kind of maternal, you know, like mother-son vibe in that photo um, where there's like, I mean, he looks like, you know, like a like a baby curled up in the fetal position, you know, clinging to his mother or something like that. And that's what that line, that's why that line reminds me of that, because this is, I mean, there's a lot of like, like codependency baked into this poem. And so there is something ab about like, that thing of just like men who sometimes just want to date their moms, or they just want <laughs> someone who's going to act like their mother. I, mean, I keep, <laughs> that's what that, that kind of brings up for me. I think that probably is maybe more, you know, this is maybe all art in some way is a little bit of a Rorschach test of just like what yeah. <laughs> your experiences are what your you know what sort of anxieties you're bringing to things but I, I, I was just reading it differently I, I think that there's validity to both readings right I think mm -hmm. the way that she writes only some men I think like kind of elevates those kinds of men a little bit but I think the way that she par parallels like these men are turning into a question mark and that's followed a couple lines later by um, they want to hold you like the answer and you're not the answer. So like that question answer parallel, I think is like connecting those two ideas a little bit. So I think that maybe she's elevating these men who are trying to like be vulnerable and trying to connect in a different way where they're not in one specific role and they see women as fulfilling some specific role or some specific need that they personally have. But recognizing that even that can still be a problem, right? Like that can still mm -hmm. be putting you in a different kind of role where you're supposed to be like fulfilling some kind of answer. Like it's great that you're being vulnerable and saying like, I'm not the, I don't know, the artist to your muse or the consumer to your snack. Um, like I'm not sure what I am, but I'm hoping that you will help me figure it out, which can be seen in a good way and potentially a negative way too, because there's this like feeling of like using or I mean in like the worst case scenario it's like exploiting but I, mm. don't, I don't think it necessarily has to be um, I think it could be more equal and um, yeah yeah complementary yeah and, and, I, and I don't think that these readings are necessarily opposite right I think that like you were mentioning that that the idea of this being a continuum is I think it's it is the human experience to 
like I don't like saying it like but there's some men and other men right but rather mm -hmm. like there's some men at some point of their lives and some women at some point of their life they're like you're a shitty human being because you were not ready uh and then you stop being a shitty human being or stop acting like a shitty human being mm -hmm. um and I think in that line right admit that they don't have the answer they thought they would have by now semicolon right it's one of these bizarre punctuations mark that is neither a period <laughs> nor a comma yeah but but it's like right it's like it's I think that the way that many times when we think about whatever communities is that some of them are good, some of them are bad, but even within the community and within the person, you know, you catch them at a bad time of their lives or they're just yeah. not ready for you, which I think is what, for me, what the poem was, is like, it was about not just like the person I was with, but like the time of my life I needed to hear this. And and I think the difference between the Clint painting and the Yoko Ono picture is that the in the painting there is the the blurring of those lines of the woman and the man because of the colors it is literally it's blur right whereas in the in the photograph the nakedness is contrasted with the clothes right so there's clearly a barrier between the two yeah. so when i read the poem I'm, I'm reading it more from the perspective of of this allowance for for blurring the lines right of this mm -hmm. moment of fusion compatibility mm -hmm. um Whereas if you see it in a, as a contrasting, then the, the the photograph is showing like you're actually not melding together, which I think yeah. is kind of a point, right? Like if you're not melding, you're not melting, right? Yeah. It has all of the semblances of wanting to give in, but there is either from his side or her side, it's not actually it's not melting together. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, kind of going back to the Rorschach thing, th those lines are probably some of like, the most visceral in the poem for me in terms of bringing up my experience. And so that those lines for me are like, I don't think I really, <laughs> I was never going to read that as a positive. It just like, wasn't going to happen for me. <laughs> but so, but like, so it just, it didn't enter into my consciousness at all, which is why I was like, Oh, wait, <laughs> there's a, there's like a totally different reading of this because my first thought is, um, you know, like the experience of, of like someone trying to, I mean, I mean, it literally is this. It is, it is having someone try to turn you as a person into like a solution to to their existential crisis, mm -hmm. and how profoundly unsettling that is, and how I mean, like, it's not even like it's not like there there are parts of this poem that I relate to in terms of like, oh yes, I remember when I thought that that was flattering. You know, I remember mm -hmm. when I thought it was flattering to be mm -hmm. a metaphor. Yeah. You know, to be amused, whatever. That part of the poem is like, no, I always hated that. I never enjoyed that experience. I always, I, I particularly don't like and and try to, would like try to bolt, even if I couldn't articulate it from not just men, but other other like close relationships I've had where someone is trying to make me into um, their answer, you know, and it's just like, oh, I, I don't have the answers for myself. So there's no, like, you can't then do that to me. Because then we're we're both. I mean, I mean, I think in a. I mean, that's interesting. The sort of the Klimt painting. I mean, because there is a way in which you can both acknowledge, like, I don't got the answers, and you don't got the answers, and then you're kind of in it together. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't seem to be how that goes. And, and to your point, like both the painting and the posture, it really is like a brochure tells, right? And like, so just thinking about the painting, the Clint painting, you don't really truly know. Like to me, it reads like, oh, the woman is like closing her eyes in in like excitement or ecstasy, whatever. Or it could be like, get off of me. Yeah. <laughs> She's like so rigid, you know? It's like, it's like, please, like, 
I need my space, you know? And the same mm -hmm. thing with a posture, right? Like if this person is like going around you, it's literally putting their body and their weight. It's like being a burden on you. It's like, here is myself, mm -hmm. catch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and like if it's a bad relationship, it's like, please go away. If it's another, it's just literally like, I'm here to support you. Yeah. Um, so it just tells like the, the, the line, the painting, the posture is it's really how you come at it. Yeah, that's true. Although I do, I, I have always looked at the kiss as like in a positive way and I, I've always seen that as something like ah oh, what a beautiful representation of romantic love whereas the the Yoko Ono and the John Lennon I've always been a little bit ambivalent about um I it's I, pretty disturbing it's like <laughs> I feel like it's meant to be a bit of a disturbing photo I I think I think so too I mean I think that there's I think that it has been understood to be something tender. I mean, this is like, you know, like, like a college dorm room poster, you know, it's, it's up there with like, you know, starry night or something. So like, I think people read it as being very loving and very tender, but when I look at it, I'm sort of like, oh, <laughs> <a> parasite. <laughs> oh my God. Well, it's not like her face is not selling it, right? She's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. Like leech on my face. <laughs> Which I mean, I think what's really great about the, the photograph, right? Yeah. 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 But that's what's weird about it, right? It is like a feet up position, grabbing her. She's not into it. Um, but you don't know really. Like I think it's really what relationships are, like from the outside. It's weird because on the one hand you want that outside perspective of like help me. I don't know <laughs> if my boyfriend is abusive or not. But at the same time, you cannot just go into people's relationships and say, Hey, by the way, leave this fool. Mm, yeah yes <laughs> you can <laughs> it doesn't work out <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, um, what you okay wait I forgot what I was gonna say but to that point um it was really interesting because I think you you two both mentioned that like you saw yourselves as like oh I, I you know like this poem speaking to me like this is when you know I fell into this or that trap or whatever um, because the like leave this fool was like totally how I read it like I was reading this like I would say this poem to someone who's just dating someone just so beneath them and <laughs> so like I was I was reading it like very as like I would use this poem as a weapon you know so Actually, okay so I think it's a really good point do you guys think that this poem is it's a hopeful about love and relationships or not really I, I think in a, in a way, I mean, it's hopeful about about coming back to yourself, which I think kind of automatically makes you opens you up to more hopeful and balanced relationships. So so yes, but like maybe not in the way of like, it's not exalting romantic relationships. It's, it's exalting, you know, wholeness within an individual. Yeah, I think it's like it's recognizing that this is like common, like it is mm -hmm. so normal because of the way that our society is structured like it is so normal I get it you know like I see why this is happening but it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way like I I really see this as like a sister telling this to their sister or a mother telling this to their daughter and like like I I've, I've been there like I understand why you're doing this but it truly does not have to be that way mm -hmm. um so I think it is it's hopeful but it's also very real you know mm -hmm. I, I agree with you both. And I think what it struck to me, it was not, it was never like a condescending. It was never like, oh, mm -hmm. you think that, oh, that he's so special, but like, like you just, you know, like a 15 year old romance. No, like, it, no, it's like, you feel this way. Yeah. You truly, mm -hmm. really feel like this. You know, it's not minimizing your little puppy romance or like your summer crush, right? 
it, it really like empathizes with like you no know, it feels horrible to be this way mm-hmm. and and at the worst part like love is very painful but you will love again you know and like you're gonna find someone that that doesn't see you like a snag or a pulitzer like mm-hmm. you're not in the way of something else right and it's like you guys are saying remind you that like you are enough and like it's never closing a door on it and it's never making it you feel less for having those feelings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather really sitting with that of like yeah i've been there and yeah it was to me that's how i really felt that point is like yeah it is everything that's why my favorite line is like when you fall in love it is discovering the ocean mm. that was like yeah like it does feel like the ocean especially after like years of puddle jumping it was like such a nice contrast of, of like to me of like you get it you get it that that how could you ever let go of the ocean like why would you mm-hmm. and and yet like you have to like it leaves you salty like how can you ever like it's never calling this a puddle it's like oh you got it wrong it wasn't the ocean it was actually a puddle no it like acknowledges that it was the ocean because I think as a lot of what happens is that oh like that relationship you thought that it was a good one it really wasn't the next one or whatever it will be that way but what if that was like your feelings are your feelings yeah mm-hmm. the depth of it is it, it cannot be measured because of how good or how bad it was in contrast to other relationships so like uh making that space to to really like to feel your feelings yeah <laughs> it was it was nice yeah, I, I love that line too. It's, you know, even though the outcome of that relationship, you know, it's it's left you gasping, it's left you salty. Um, even though like the outcome maybe isn't super positive, it still recognizes that like those other jokers, like, you know, it was never going to work because they felt like puddles. But like this love, even though it didn't turn out well, even though you ended up in these roles that weren't the most positive, I get it. Like it felt so good to just like swim in the ocean yeah that's heartbreaking yeah I mean I I definitely appreciate the emphasis on you know forgive yourself for the for the decisions you have made the ones you still call mistakes when you tuck them in at night I mean that it it, I mean that's I I really do appreciate that emphasis on that kind of like self-compassion and stuff um kind of like what you were saying Ruby about um not diminishing the feelings that you have and or trying to minimize them or dismiss them or say well that must not have been the real thing because the real thing wouldn't feel this bad you know Mm -hmm. when in fact a lot of real things do feel bad and the fact that it was you know it's felt so great is the reason why it feels so bad and stuff i mean the emphasis maybe a lot of times is on getting it right rather than feeling feeling your feelings like you were saying and just um acknowledging that like the way to peace and happiness is is uh integrating those experiences and not shaming yourself for having experienced a negative thing and and i think also that we have so much of a like if it didn't last it wasn't right or good yeah like like the it's it's duration is really what makes things valuable uh the longer the better and it's like you can have a like if it's like oh i met this person and we only met him for a night and like how much could you know that doesn't matter right that just because it like what is the standard of, of a length that we can describe love to be deep, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like relationships matter because when you see them every day or when you see them like we were talking at the beginning, right? We don't talk to each other all the time and yet it's a good, meaningful friendship. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a relationship that lasted, but yet it was what I felt was was real, meaningful, and and profound, mm-hmm. even if it did not stick. Confession time. My confession was that I knew we were going to talk about this poem this week, and I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about this poem this week <laughs> because. I'm not experiencing this, but I'm experiencing something that reminds me of the times that I experienced this right now. And I was like, I don't want to have to think about this more. (laughs) But this is actually very, and I I kind of had a feeling this would happen, but this is very um, like helpful because it's just like, it is forcing me to listen to and also say (laughs) uh, out loud all of the things that I just have not really been articulating about the particular situation I'm in right now. That's my confession. Confession time over. Glad it's been positive rather than yeah needling. Me too. What's your confession, Yuki? Oh, I don't have a confession. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very like uh just just so even keeled relationship that it's yeah it's good times. <laughs> <laughs> no, you always said me. I I cannot relate. I can't. Yeah, well, that, I simply cannot. That's why I really, when I read this poem as this, as like the person saying this to someone else, oh. you know, because like I haven't had a lot of relationships. Um, like I married, I've I met my husband at 19. So like I didn't have, you know, too much op- opportunity. But like, I mean, we've had our ups and downs and stuff, but it's like generally fine. <laughs> oh, I have a question. Uh huh. I have a question. Okay. So the, um, the lines at the very end know this know you are the type of woman who is looking for a place to call yours let the statues crumble you have always been the place you are a woman who can build it yourself you were born to build what do you think is like the the lesson that she's trying to leave us with oh i was just gonna say how much i i like the line you have always been the place that's probably in the running for my top two or three favorite lines you have always been the place so this this poem i don't know if this is is this are you are you looking at this thing on lyricline.org or is that yeah, what you're yeah, yeah. okay so i don't know if that the little epigraph is, is that in, i don't know if that's included in what her poem where at the very top this yeah. by richard Sykin. Sykin. everyone needs the place it shouldn't be inside oh. of someone else so i i don't i don't know if that's actually part of the original poem or not i um, remember that being there yeah i'm 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 not sure but um you know, I mean, just that reminder that 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 your relationships are not going to save you. I mean, there's not there's there's no one person that's going to save you. You're all you've always been the person who's going to save yourself, and they and whoever you're with is always going to be the person who's going to save save themselves. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just a it's like a gentle reminder. I think we all, a lot of us, frequently or sometimes need this reminder of just like, oh, right, that was never my job. Uh, my job was to just be a human person. And I'm doing great at it. <laughs> so, you know, I don't I don't need to worry about, you know, something I'm failing at that I wasn't supposed to be doing in the first place. You see, I actually do. I actually like that line, too. You have always been the place. It's not one of my favorite lines, but I like it much better than that ending of the poem, which is you're the woman who can build it yourself. You're born to build. It feels so girl bossy to me. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> it's like, ugh, whatever. Like you have this beautiful lines and it just like ends with this. And it um, ends with like, lean in, sister. Or right? 
I was like, oh, whatever. And I, I almost I always skip that part of the poem because I think I was also like just wallowing in, like I wanted to just be in the ocean a little bit longer mm-hmm. uh, instead of being reminded of like go because it's also like be alone. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And and I'm like, but I like I just want to stay in like in in the fantasy, the memory, or like the hope of like that love is is the ocean, right? Instead of like standing by myself. But I do like, like, the, let the statues crumble. And I really like how she reads it. Because it's like, let the statues crumble. And then she pauses. That was like letting you, like, seeing the statues crumble. And because I think that the statues, to me, is like all of how you either see yourself or, like, the relationship or this man and just breaking all of these ideas. Because I think as also what happens, right, when something doesn't occur, it be a relationship, a lot of the time is is spent on like oh but I had all these plans or I had all these ideas or all these future yeah. goals and just have to like mourn them right like yeah be okay with that they're not there anymore which I really like that is that to me when I think of this poem I always almost always end up there because it's like to me it's like that is where I wanted to be of like mourn that that is over and that's mm-hmm. okay and the other thing I just wanted to say was that in the line of the Koya mentioned, forgive yourself for the decisions you have made, the ones you can you still call mistakes when you talk them in the night. I had this very literal story in my head about it, which is like about a woman who has children that were a mistake mm-hmm. and literally talked them in at night. Right. Mm-hmm. But there was like a beautiful thing of like a life, right? A child that was quote unquote a mistake because they had sex mm-hmm. and was unprotected and blah blah blah. Might you still take take care of them? You have periods of tenderness, right? So it can be literally the mis- these very physical manifestations of your relationship that mm-hmm. are quote unquote mistakes. I still mm-hmm. need your care, love, and attention, and you can still give that love, care, and attention, which I think is also what you can still feel those things for the person that left you gasping. Right? You don't have to hate them. You don't have to fill yourself and your heart with hate and distance. You know, you can allow to have a happy memory of what it was with this person and still be detached from them. Mm-hmm. Like, there'll be no more statue of them, but either you have the mistakes, the physical reminders of it. Like, I think it's a way of me saying that, like, you don't have to burn the pictures mm-hmm. of that relationship. You don't have to just like, pretend it didn't happen. Because, I mean, do you really want to erase, and obviously when I say you, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to erase the moments when you were happy? with this person you were happy in the ocean do you want to live a life where you had no memories of ever being loved or ever being you know in the ocean Mm -hmm. just because it hurts to remember yeah or just because the outcome wasn't perfect right yeah yeah thank you guys for your like your perspectives on those last lines because i was i was feeling conflicted about them too because it, it does feel very like don't be this like codependent factor in someone else's story and I thought like I was hoping it would end in like the the best thing that what I hope for you is this like beautiful interdependent story that you are creating together with somebody that you love but it kind of ends a little bit with like you don't need them like you're sufficient in yourself like you do you but Koi, I, I liked the the perspective that you gave of like you're not going to be their solution they're not going to be your solution you have to be your own solution and once you are your own solution 
that puts you in a place where you can be in an interdependent relationship rather mm-hmm. than a codependent one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just insert that as like the actual <laughs> last line. I well I I kind of I got the impression that this was written by someone who has not experienced that yet, who has not experienced like a balanced interdependent mm-hmm. relationship quite yet, and so she's still. Um, she's at the part where, where she, I mean, she's, she's, she's building herself, you know, I think, which like can prepare you, even if that's, you know, not necessarily written into the poem. Yeah. Final thoughts. Are we at the final thoughts already? I have thoughts. It's, it's been nice talking about this poem. I remember talking to Koya and saying that like, oh, this is going to be very revealing about myself and my life and all of that. And I was kind of nervous about it, but I think that it's been nice reading it and not feel scared like in a sense of like oh i'm going to say too much or mm-hmm. or like it's going to like open all these things inside of me which it hasn't i think that i can very much a, I like a romantic and i think it very much shows it's weird revisiting this poem because it is a lot of we're revisiting that relationship and you will think about it as time passes right you are you're still very much in in the sadness or in the pain of it and then you have this almost distant experience to it and and it's good to know that like oh yeah you're okay like at least for me it is that i that is the place that i'm in like like when i was reading this poem first it would be like on loop and like this is me and i would be sad and like you know like i was going full taylor swift you know (laughs) (laughs) in my feelings and now it's not it doesn't hurt Mm -hmm. you know it's Mm -hmm. i think i have a very nice relationship to it that it speaks to me of 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 the kiss of this actually seeing someone call us a question around you rather than by why would the ocean love me you know Mm -hmm. so it's nice to know that you can you know you can be at the beach yeah you can you don't have to burn your photos yeah koya final thoughts actually i had a question about the poem yuki should you give your final thought before i ask the question because i actually really did want to ask it and i forgot sure uh, I think my final thought was just, it's also kind of a question, but for myself, it's like, um, I was kind of reflecting on Ruby, what you were saying about, you know, even though this poem is about romantic relationships, thinking about it in the context of like a parent child relationship, or even, you know, other relationships that you might have, like, you know, teacher student or something. And I think in some relationships, it's easier to fall into that trap of, you know, this person has a specific role you know, like when you like, it's hard to see your parent as a person, for example. And so like they fulfill certain roles for you. But even in those relationships, trying to, you know, figure out a way to approach those relationships as well with this kind of mindset of this person is a whole person in themselves. And, you know, they don't fulfill a role because if you expect them to do that, they will disappoint you because, they're not actually a sandwich, they're a person. And so, yeah, I was just thinking about, you know, my relationships with my sisters or my parents. And like, you know, we tend to give people in our lives like labels, you know, like, oh, I'm the nice one or like, oh, they're the, you know, curious one or the hardworking one or something. So like, like trying as much as possible to move away from those labels in all of the relationships in my life. It's funny that you mentioned that the different relationships because I feel like was just a little bit what we were talking about before like listening to you guys talk about the poem or and Koya because I've known you longer 
I, I think it's it's like this is very much like the feeling when you're like you're falling in love with somebody. Like I feel like I'm falling in love with a friend, right? When you like are discovering different parts of them and you're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like so this has been very nice in that sense. That it just like it's also very rare, I guess, nowadays to actually allow people to like disclose themselves mm-hmm. and like shed layers about them over time. So this has been very fun. But like the line of the sandwich. I, that's a part of the line that I struggled the most because I feel like in all of the poem, you always get something good out of it, right? You can let them hold you. And this is the why you should do it. And then when if they, if you grab a type of woman who want to touch you, you can let them touch you. Sometimes not they're reaching for you. Sometimes it's a bottle, a door, a sandwich. I see this where I disagree and I'm like, so, so fuck them, you know, <laughs> like if you don't want to touch me. <laughs> then why are we in this, right? And I think that's the, it's a weird part of the point where I'm like, no, like, I feel like that's the only part of it. Like, okay, maybe I get it. That is like, you have to give people a chance because it's not their fault. Like you, Juki, were saying, it's like you want them to be like, well, you want them to be a parent should behave like this. And it's really hard to recognize that they're not. But yet I am like, I disagree with this. Like, this is a thing I will not tell to my friend. I'm like, it's fine. You know, you can meet her sandwich. No. So I read this as like, not that she's saying like, just so you know, if they touch you, they might think you're a sandwich. The things to be afraid of are not, you you know, it's not being hurt. It's not letting someone touch you. It's not letting, it's not allowing someone to get close to you. Those are not the things to be afraid of. But just so you know, don't confuse any of those things for what this is, which is something totally different. So I, I didn't get the impression that she was saying like, it's okay to be someone's bottle or a door or a sandwich for, for, for any amount of time. It's just that like, sometimes that's just what happens, you know, and you, you, ha- you do have to sort of forgive yourself for doing that just because you don't know that in that moment, you're like, oh, that is not what they wanted. You know, like they, they just wanted, they, they wanted something else that was not actually me. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I think that is really what the poem is saying, but just like the woman wrote, I have where I would have just said would by now she could have put but FYI mm-hmm. sometimes yeah which I guess not pretty but I think it's like <laughs> what I would be like okay just you know yeah because that's exactly I agree it's exactly what it is is that you sometimes you do not know that you are in between something else that they want or that they see you as something else and the worst part is when you do know and yet you pretend that you don't know and you know Ruby, that's the worst part. <laughs> it really truly is. Because it's like, it's like, you should know better. And the thing is that you know, and yet. And yet. Know. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, or m- maybe not what's interesting, but I think that like, if you if you are the kind of, actually, that was kind of my question, actually. My question was, what do you, what you all thought she meant by the type? Um, why why the poem was called the type because I thought that that particular repetition was very interesting to me and I don't really have necessarily an answer to that because in a way that the poem seems very like universalizing um, and in a way but but then by calling it the type then it seems like she is like deliberately not or unless it's being ironic or something like that to me it was like something I've heard a lot right like you don't want to be the type that does this which really it implies it like the the slutty kind the whorish kind, right? Like there are certain types of women, the good women and the bad women, right? Yeah. And I think it was like a play on that of like, 
women are told so many times of how to be the good women. They Mm -hmm. cross their legs. They don't dress like this. And it's both of how women should always behave. And it's always that whatever bad things happen to them is because they were doing the wrong things. Mm -hmm. They were acting like the type of woman who gets, who doesn't get called back, who is good to like hang out with, but not marry, like those kind of Mm -hmm. things. And at the worst is when they are like victims of assault, right? Mm-hmm. You were dressing like the type of woman who would like to do like that, those kind of like gross things as they are said. Mm-hmm. And it was this kind of reappropriating or like retaking of the word, the type, mm-hmm. and like showing you all the different ways that you are a woman, right? And like being a woman is, there's no type of woman, right? You're just a woman. Mm-hmm. And that's the bad things that happen to you from heartbreak to uh, awful assaults on your body are never your fault. There's nothing that you can do to prevent them. And there's nothing that you can do to like isolate yourself from the world to like prevent heartache. That's how I read it. How about you, Yuki? Yeah, I think that like the the way that she's saying, like, if you're the type of women that men want to touch, it's okay. I think another way that I might have phrased it is like, it's okay if you are the type of woman that wants to be touched. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but the the caution is like they might see you as a bottle and just because you want to be touched if they're seeing you as a bottle as like a numbing device for their pain then just be aware that that's a possibility and i think the the other caution going the other direction is if you're the kind of woman that wants to be touched if you know, like, you, you know, even if you're kind of lying to yourself, but like, if you know that they see you as a bottle, if they are using you to numb, like, don't allow yourself to be the bottle just because you want to be touched. Right. I think, I think a lot of times we fall into that as well. You know, like, we want to be someone's comfort or we want to be, you know, alleviate someone's pain. Um, but that doesn't, mean that it's okay for you to turn yourself into something less than a full person just because you want to be touched and it's okay to be that type it's okay to be someone who wants to be touched or held yeah those are both really interesting i mean i i i had like a vague idea but i didn't really know exactly what she meant by that and i i i think i was talking yuki i think you and i were talking about how like my my fear is I'm afraid of being the kind of person who the kind of woman who you know like has a partner who like you know when they leave you know they go to your house for dinner or whatever and then they leave and they're just like why is she with him you know and everyone's just sort of like ugh, you know like she could really do a lot better mm-hmm. because That's we all I will always I, think of anyone you ever date no just I, I mean, I, I, hope will t- I, I sincerely, I sincerely, I, we were talking about this earlier, but like, I, I would want someone to send me this poem if they were just like, girl, he is not it. I, I would want to know. I would want someone to tell me. I really, really genuinely do. Because I think it would have really helped me in the past. Um, But like, you know, like, I, I wasn't really thinking of it in, in those terms. But like, that is what I... I, when I when I say that I don't want to be that kind of woman, I'm saying I don't want to be the type of woman <laughs> who does this and this and this and this. And it's basically this list of things here, you know, like, and so I do. So, so that is, that is, I, I do appreciate that kind of like the, fl- like flipping of that or not even necessarily flipping, but acknowledging the genuine need in that and being that type 
and then acknowledging the pitfalls that come with being that type. That's pretty great. That was a good time. I guess we already did final thoughts, but final, final thoughts. We should have Ruby. Ruby, if you are into it, please come back. This was anytime. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Yeah, no, it's, fun. Been, it's been a lot of fun and it's been really great. I would love to do it again. I think it was really nice reading this and feeling the same thing I felt in when I was listening to the podcast. It's like, oh, yeah, I completely disagree with what you guys are saying. <laughs> <laughs> But but really opens up like the poem, which is I think for having one of my favorite poems being talked about and seeing how it resonates with other people and it's touching them in different ways. It's it's really nice. It's really nice to hear. And I think one of the things I really like about poetry is that it really changes like over time, that when yeah. you hear it at different times of your life and in different contexts. Uh, but I wonder what you guys think. It's like, isn't it sandwich such a ugly word? I and love sandwiches. I like sandwiches, but it's such an ugly word in a poem. <laughs> Sandwich. <laughs> well, she's she's very funny. Like, if you listen yeah. to her other poems, she's super funny. And so I wonder if this was, like, trying to be funny. I don't know. I do it's, love sandwiches. It's such a serious poem. It's a bottle, a door, a sandwich. It's like, what are you doing, Sarah Kay? It's like, <laughs> it's like cookies and bubbles. Like, you cannot be serious. <laughs> well i i like it because it's because it is so it's an ugly word it's a, such a mundane thing it's such, i mean it's just like it is it, it is a little bit it does throw you because a bottle and a door are such great metaphors and then it's just like maybe it should have been hungry. like a steak maybe it should have been a steak you know? i like sandwich i mean i love a sandwich i'm no shade to sandwich i mean i think like i don't know i mean i, I think it could have been I mean, because she could have said, like, or an uncrustable or, you know, like something really <laughs> like, I'm like, ugh. Um, I'm dating I, a I, child. <laughs> <laughs> or a gogurt, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I like it. I think it's, I think it struck a good tone. I mean, I, I felt the same way about, uh, or a snack. And I, I, I liked that one because snack is both uh, a euphemism and an actual snack. Yeah. Uh, but it's like kind of a silly thing to say. After right. saying, you know, or muse or promise or victim. So, I mean, I mean, I, I appreciate it because sometimes the thing someone's reaching for is, is kind of dumb. It just, the thing they're reaching for is just like, oh, you, I mean, you could just have that. I mean, like, <laughs> right. No, like, that actually, I get, I don't like how it sounds, but like what you're saying is right, right? To me, because in me, it was like the whole thing of like, oh, woman, go make me a sandwich, um, mm -hmm. which makes sense, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah like sometimes what they want is so dumb it's like why don't you just go get it <laughs> yeah exactly that makes me feel better yeah ruby thank you so much thank you for having me sarah Kay's biography was compiled from poets.org ted.com the brown university website and the project voice website all links will be available in the show notes our music is from less fm do you like what you heard Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends and enemies and subscribe so you know when each new episode drops. For questions, comments, concerns, or if you have a poem you'd like for us to discuss, hit us up on Instagram or email us at wepoetried at gmail.com. That's W-E dot P-O-E dot T-R-I-E-V. If you want to keep hearing more episodes like this, you can support Poetry by subscribing to our Patreon linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening. And thank you to Ruby. Ruby's Yay. the best! Yay. 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 Yay.